Welcome to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions by casuals for casuals. My name is Courtney. And I am Carl. And this is episode four, and we're reviewing My Hero Academia, season four, episode 23, Let It Flow, School Festival. As always, there will be spoilers throughout this podcast, so you've been warned. So to start us off, take us through a synopsis of this episode. All right, and this synopsis is sponsored, not really, by TV Tropes. Um, it says here that Let It Flow School Festival is the 22nd episode of My Hero Academia's fourth season, although it, I think we thought it was the 23rd. I don't know what, which one's right, but 22nd or 23rd episode of My Hero Academia's fourth season and the 86th episode overall. Gentle turns himself into UA, claiming that La Brava was brainwashed into following him. Ectoplasm accompanies Midoriya to retrieve his things and to return to UA, where he makes it to 1A's performance in the nick of time. Class 1A's song and dance is a huge hit that hypes up the crowd and manages to make Aerie smile. After the performance, the students receive compliments from their schoolmates, even from their previous detractors. They then go on to enjoy the rest of the school festival. Not a very detailed synopsis, but... There you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, let, let's talk about our initial thoughts about this episode. Me first? Yeah, you first. Um, initial thoughts. I thought it was a very... I know one of our friends said this when because we, we all watched it together on Saturday night. Uh, it's a very wholesome episode, and I think that's all that we need at this point. Um just to see the students come together and enjoy the school festival, finally getting to see Class 1A's performance. Uh, you do see a little bit of the aftermath of Gentle turning himself in um, to the UA teachers towards the beginning of the episode, but the main focus here is, again, just the festival itself. And while well, I hoped that it kind of delved more into other activities, just to kind of see class 1a enjoying themselves and the rest of the school enjoying themselves it was very nice to just watch their performance after seeing all the build-up of them practicing and rehearsing for it and then getting a little touch of Jiro's backstory throughout that whole sequence as well so very good episode overall um, to kind of lighten the tone from what happened with the previous two episodes with the battle between Gentle and Midoriya and I I liked this episode a lot but I didn't love it and I really wanted to love it because as I've said mm. multiple times the festival episode is like this stuff fuels me I, I love this kind of stuff I, I know that um, My Hero is not a slice of life anime but it's fun to see characters have their slice of life moments it makes them feel more relatable and so these kinds of things I get really excited for and I, I liked it a lot but I didn't love it because I just felt like we spent this whole season, or whole second half of the season, building up to the school festival. And then finally we get there, finally, and it's just like all done in one episode. Just like speeds right on by, you see the performance, and then it's like, here's some other stuff really quick, everything's wrapped up with a pretty bow, move on to the next thing. And I, I, I kind of had hoped that there would be a little bit more focus on the school festival itself. Because um, again, it's, it's nice just to have those little bits and pieces where we see um, you know, the, the main characters, you know, class 1A have more realistic 
more familiar moments. Um, with that said, I mean, overall, it was a good episode. It, it, it hit the the spot for the, the school festival arc, the things that I was looking for. But again, I would have preferred it to be two episodes or at least stretched out a little bit more. So, like, to your point, we could see more of the activities, see more of the relationships um, versus like, okay, fast forward through all the school festival stuff and, and here we are, we're good to go. Um, yeah, I didn't even realize Yeah, everything just wraps up in one episode. Uh, for this festival, whereas the whole build-up, like I said, takes place over the course of like many episodes prior to this. And I guess one downside, too, including that, is we're probably not going to see this OP again, um, which I think the opening with uh, the song Star Marker um, is probably my favorite opening just because it's such a happy, feel-good song. But I think since a lot of the OP revolves around the festival itself, and seeing the preview for next week's episode, you don't see any more um, references to the festival. Um, that's kind of my downside to this, just because that song is just so catchy in the beginning. Yeah, it's a, it's a good song. It's a good opening, and I I don't know, just kind of disappointed that it just it, it just all hit its climax and ended so quickly in in one episode. It's just. A lot of build up for very little payoff. Um, although, again, it is a good episode and everything gets wrapped up nicely in a, in a bow, sometimes almost too conveniently. Um, it's it's just not quite what I had hoped for. Um, if Because it, it was obviously the focus of the climax of this this arc anyway was much more around Gentle Criminal and La Brava. But we see way more build up, at least in the beginning part of, of this half of the season on the school festival but again to to a point that i made in one of the previous episodes there's not enough conflict revolving around the school festival and that's the kind of conflict i was hoping to see um but here we just see judo kind of reflect on her decision to become a hero versus a music a musician like her parents which was tough for her but we we don't see any of that ahead of time we don't know that that was a tough decision for her until this moment and it lasts like 20 seconds and then that's it and it's like oh, okay well she's still able to play music even though she didn't become a musician, that's cool. But then that's it. That's like all you can really take away from that. Um, and I think that going back to some of these things feeling a little bit too convenient, for example, when that discount Josuke character, um, Jojo reference there, uh, when that discount Josuke and that chick come over to like apologize to Bakugo, I felt like that was weird. Like they, yeah, they wouldn't it, just straight up go, come over to him and, and apologize like that and then run away. It just seemed very odd. No, yeah, the very quick wrap up to what you thought was going to be like building animosity between Class 1A and everyone else at UA. Um, but yeah, like you said, it, that just resolved too easily. And it was a good plot point for not only Bakugo, but a lot of Class 1A that like they are kind of what what caused the school to go into this sort of lockdown or they caused heightened security and all of that not not directly but indirectly um and people resent them for that and Bakugo had you know struggled with not only that but thinking that he ended all might and everything that's associated with that and then here it's just like okay well you guys did a great job at the school festival we forgive you the end uh, i just i don't know it just seemed too convenient too quick um and again, I think this this episode would have been much better if it were two episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how you would do it in two episodes, but yeah. And I'm curious to know, because again, we don't read manga, but I'm curious to know how they wrapped up the school festival in the manga. Was it just a quick wrap up in like a chapter or something, or did they draw that out a little bit more? 
Yeah, I feel like we could have seen more of Aerie and uh, Mirio and Midoriya enjoying themselves uh, throughout the festival because a lot of the build-up, again, for previous episodes was Aerie coming to this festival so that she could really experience the outside world, basically. And like you said, there's just a very quick wrap-up here um, and you just get that montage towards the end of the episode of all the activities and events that each of the characters is attending. Um, but I think we could have fleshed out more of the relationship between Mirio, Eri, and Midoriya if they had just, like you said, split this into two parts where you can have conversations going on between Eri or Mirio or Midoriya. And again, just really building the friendship of that trio because they place so much importance on um, how Aerie was being saved from Overhaul and what was it, the Chihasakai, and how Mirio and Midoriya just really want her to be happy. And like their, I guess, main objective, or the, at least the tangible objective, is getting to see her smile. Which, when she did smile at the festival, like that was a very nice feel good mo- feel good moment. Um, and now I know everyone on the internet is saying like, oh, now we have to protect her smile at all costs, <laughs> which I, I, I'm 100 percent on because like you never see her react that way before. And just seeing that just shows like how genuine um, her emotions are at that point. Um, but yeah, this episode could have done more with de- developing the relationship in, within that trio. I think what this episode does do really well is change my mind about Gentle and the Brava. Um, for the past couple of, of episodes, we, we've been talking about um, this arc, and, and I've stated that I don't care for it because it feels like a throwaway villain, and they proved me wrong in this episode. And I'm actually glad that they did because the concept of that gray space between heroes and villains and how easily someone could, could go from one side to the other... Um, based on circumstances in their life is, is really is really played on well in throughout my hero and I think that this episode in particular pushes that even further because you get that that beginning part of the episode as you mentioned where gentle um, doesn't give up Midoriya and he gives up himself not only to protect Midoriya but to also protect La Brava again showing that his true nature is doing good but because of the things that happened in his life, he was drawn toward doing evil. And then he even drops that bomb that he was part of the hero course, which I thought was really interesting. Because we see him in an early ep- earlier episode um, basically drop out of school and his life goes down the drain. But it wasn't clear that he was taking the hero course. So that was a huge bombshell that they dropped at that point. Um, and again, I, I like that because it, it plays into that gray space. It makes you conflicted about how you feel about gentle like going from the previous episode where he kind of says like oh you know you should be proud you won or whatever i'm like okay he still feels like a villain and then this beginning part of of this episode he he doesn't feel as much like a villain and now i'm conflicted i'm like do i hate him do i think he's got some potential like what do i think here and it 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 forces you to to reevaluate what you perceive to be evil or a villain and I think Gentle kind of recognizes some of the things that we brought up in the last podcast about, you know, what kind of future are you pursuing or what are the means to the future that you want to pursue? Uh, and I think he addresses this 
with Midoriya or even with the detectives at the end of the episode where he realizes that he took the wrong path in trying to realize his dreams. Um, so it, the importance of the choices that you make, um, especially in this case when he was defending La Brava, um, he wanted to make sure that she was not accused of any of the crimes or even of what had happened at that point um, in his scuffle with Midoriya. And this kind of reminds me of, are you familiar with the movie A Bronx Tale? Um, I know of it. I haven't watched it. Uh, I think it, who's in it? Robert De Niro and some other actors. Um, it's like it's slightly a gangster film, but it's basically a kid who grows up in a neighborhood that's controlled by the mob and he wants to be involved with the mob, but the head of this, the head mafioso basically wants to keep him out of it because he knows that this life isn't for him. And I think that's kind of what you see here between Gentle and La Brava is he just wants to protect her innocence as much as possible. Even though I think La Brava is giving off almost like Stockholm Syndrome vibes. Um, yeah, but like at the same time, she's the one who approached him. And in the beginning of, of their relationship, he said, go home. Like, this isn't this isn't good. You're going to go down a path that, that you can't turn around from. Yeah. Like, I think it all boils down to choice. Like, Gentle's choice to realize his dreams. La Brava's choice to um, be part of his schemes. And like you said, it just opens up a gray area for what it means to be a hero and what it means to be a villain. Yeah. And I think, um, so let's talk about that, that end part a little bit. So after the credits roll, um, you get that extra little bit where they're interrogating gentle and La Brava and La Brava stays true to, to her, her personal values and missions that she only wants to help gentle in whatever he wants to do. So I think what's, what's clear here is La Brava whether or not he's doing something right or wrong, Labrava will follow Gentle. I think that's what they're kind of establishing there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they they switch to uh, to Gentle being interrogated. And what's interesting is the gorilla guy <laughs> um, basically says, "There's an, a second chance for you here." And I'm like, "Okay, this is interesting." Going back to what I said earlier, I thought that this was a throwaway villain having a villain for for villain's sake or or whatever. Um, but now they're going and and hinting that there's going to be more to him than we first thought. And not only that, he could potentially not be a villain. So that's an interesting concept is how can Midoriya overcome? So say that he gets involved with Midoriya in some way, now being a good person or on the side of good. Um, how does Midoriya cope with that? Knowing that Gentle, at least at one point was a villain and and they fought and that he had to protect the school from him. I don't think it'll be too hard because clearly Midoriya like has some level of respect for him because he recognizes that they have a lot of similarities. Um, So I I think it'll be something that's not crazy for Midoriya to overcome, but it'll be an interesting concept. And I think it, again, it pushes that gray space of good versus evil. And I think going along those same vibes, you, what I, was kind of thinking is like um Midoriya realizes how much similar like how many things he has in common with Gentle and when he mentioned that oh or when Gentle mentioned that oh I was part of the hero course too um 
it kind of makes you think like could Midoriya end up in the same position that Gentle is currently in. Yeah, I think Midoriya mentions that at one point saying I could have turned out just like him, mm-hmm. which is I think what I I think I mentioned that last week that that them showing us in the show uh, Gentle and Labrava's background, specifically Gentle's background proves that point that anybody can can go one way or the other it's just based on the choice that they make it's not always about innately like are they born evil or do they just become evil it's like you are in this neutral space and you can go one way or the other and based on the things that happen in your life and the influences around you you then make a decision um again going back to that point about bakugo that i shared in the last episode that they had that whole arc where, where League of Villains tried to push him to become a villain, but he's already made his decision, and he's not being swayed from it. So it's just, there's there's so many layers and types of decisions that can be made. Either you make your decision and you stick with it, um, you make a decision and someone tries to pull you back in, you make a decision because you feel like you've got nowhere else to go, and then someone gives you another opportunity. Um, so I just, I like that there's so many different ways that they play on this, this whole concept. And at the end of the day, I'm just glad the whole Gentle and Labrava arc wasn't a waste of time. I just can't stand when there's a villain for like a hot second that's there just to make it feel like there's some sort of conflict in that part of the show. And then you never see them again. No one talks about them again. Or they just feel very insignificant and like a waste of time. So I'm glad that's not the case with Gentle. I think it's an interesting concept. And I'm, I'm okay watching more. I'm intrigued to watch more with Gentle and Labrava. And I think overall, this is going to go back again to a reference to the Dark Knight. Um, all of this kind of reminds me of the quote, you, you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Um, and maybe that's a trope that we'll see down the road. Either, like you said, Gentle becomes a hero or a hero ends up becoming a villain. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll see. Right now we're just we're, we're talking festival, right? <laughs> yeah, festival and, and second chances. I, I think the whole second chance thing is going to be interesting. But a couple of points that that I noticed, um, again, random little things that that I noticed throughout the episode. Um, well, you called it out this first one that Ida is playing the ocarina in that last shot of the opening, mm-hmm. and that's cool because I'm a huge Zelda fan and. I didn't notice that because he's all the way in the lower right corner and I never looked out there. <laughs> and it's probably the last time we'll even see of that. I know. Hopefully not, knock on wood. That was a good catch. Um, one thing I, I wanted to point out is, this is kind of like metaphorical, but, you know, like La Brava saves Gentle out of love. Or like her quirk is love, right? But then in the beginning, you kind of see Gentle saving La Brava for his own love for her. Right. Yeah. So it comes very, full circle because he he mentions a couple. Cheesy, of, yeah, <laughs> he mentions a couple of times throughout his arc that like he wants to reciprocate her feelings or to, something like to be worthy of of sharing her feelings or something like he hasn't fully he doesn't fully feel like he can return her feelings and I guess this is the point sacrificing himself for her that he can confidently return her her feelings, um, and yeah that's that was interesting they're mm-hmm. they're still a weird couple but that that's cool. I really liked in this episode that we get to see more of Big Brother Mirio. Again, my boy Mirio, I want him to be happy mm-hmm. all the time, every day of his life. And he's struggling through some things. So it's cute to see him be the big brother figure to Eddie, be kind of the, the shoulder she can lean on. 
Um, and he's supporting her both figuratively and literally as he's picking her up so she can see everything. Um, you know, for for the shot, I thought that was an interesting little little thing there that, that he's the one lifting her up. Um, and then when he calls out to Midoriya and to Sir Night Eye saying like, look, she's smiling, she's doing it. I was like, oh my God, the feels, yeah. my heart. Like, man, he is struggling with that. I mean, we see that in the ending, every episode of this part of the season that he's the only one sitting in darkness, crying his eyes out because this boy's going through some stuff, man. So it's just nice to see all the, the effort that he and Midoriya had put in to making this special for Eddie actually come to fruition. And she's so happy. And you see that figurative shadow lift off of her as she's cheering in the crowd. Yeah, I thought that was Tokoyami at first. That's all I thought, too. It looks just like it. Maybe mm-hmm. it is. I don't know. But I thought, I at first I was like, that's Tokoyami. And then I'm like, no, maybe it's like a figurative shadow. But yeah, like, that yeah, looks like a bird. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, mm, I don't know. Um, but either way, she she's a happy, happy child. And, and that's good because she's been through some shit. These are just random things that I noticed. In the beginning, I noticed ectoplasm kind of answered his own question, even though, you know... It, Which question? I think he was asking, like, oh, who is this guy? When he was talking to Gentle. Mm-hmm. Talk, it, he was asking about who Gentle was, and then his clone ended up answering the same question. Oh, I, I didn't notice was, that. Just a little stupid humor. Um, the crowd, right before the performance, they were all cheering for Momo. Which I thought was <laughs> kind of weird. It felt like... Have they established that she's, like, the popular one? I was wondering that, too, because I'm like... Um, like, they never really venture outside of Class 1A. And I know that she's, like, this smart, rich girl, but I never thought that she's, like, a popular person in the school. Uh, I, I just thought they were thirsty. Oh, yeah, or that, too. <laughs> that you makes know. sense, yeah. Um, and then the actual performance. Aoyama... I think he partners up with Midoriya, and then they they do the laser show, right? Mm-hmm. Aren't his lasers lethal? That's what I thought, too. I'm like, <laughs> is he going to kill everyone in the school? Like, maybe he's got some sort of filter, like anti-death yeah, filter that he puts laser, over his belly button or something. Set lasers to stun or yeah. something. Or not to stun. I was like, these people are all going to die. Like, this is... What is happening here? Yeah. Um, and a quick thing for Jiro's backstory. Um, well, first thing I want to point out is the song that they play is called hero two like t-o-o oh uh-huh. um and hopefully that's on spotify right now because that song's a banger yeah, a good song. <laughs> um and it's not it's performed by someone called chrissy costanza i saw that in the credits and i actually went to her twitter and she had posted like how she was super happy to have been part of like recording this song for the episode um so yeah, i guess it's an american person obviously who's who's singing this um, but yeah, Gerald's backstory, um, you see that she's conflicted between becoming a musician and becoming a hero, but she's still a musician in this case, right? Yeah. So I didn't think there was much resolution to that. Like, yeah, you're in a hero course, but you're still a musician right now. Like this, you're not necessarily saving lives with this performance. Um, but yeah, that was something I just looked kind of weird to me. I thought I took it as like she made her choice to become a hero, but she still loves music and this is she's not losing a part of herself by becoming a hero and making this tough choice. She can be like to your point, she can be both even though really she's going to become a hero and the musician side will just kind of be a hobby or something that she has talent around. 
Um, that that's the way I took it. Mm-hmm. And one quote that I think one of her parents said was, "What can you do for others with your sound?" Um, which was kind of inspiring, and I think it it can go both ways with being a musician, with your musical talents, or obviously her heroic abilities. Yeah. As well. At the end of the episode, or at least after the the festival is starting to wrap up, I really appreciated that they scolded Midoriya. There's something about that that just makes it feel more realistic. Like, he, I mean, we were probably all thinking it, like, where, why don't you have your cell phone on you? That's really Mm -hmm. stupid. Um, Why aren't you trying to find help versus taking something on, you know, in your own hands when you're still a student? Like, that, there's always these situations where these students are thrust into, like, what would normally be an actual hero's situation, and they don't often get scolded. They, they do sometimes. There, there have been other times where where they, they get reprimanded and, you know, Aizawa or Eraserhead calls Midoriya the problem child because mm-hmm. he recognizes that Midoriya is always getting into trouble because he wants to help people. So I did like that they scolded them because sometimes I'm like, these teachers, man, like, they they are not on top of their shit. These students go around doing stuff and, and they don't even know. Kind of to the point of, like, the movie Heroes Rising, if you haven't watched it yet, quick spoiler coming up, um, how they go to this island and they, they, there's no teachers there. Like, who thought that was a good idea? I don't care how quiet it's been or whatever. There's still students. They're still under the care of UA. There needs to be a teacher there. So here seeing, what's that, Hound Dog or whatever, mm-hmm. seeing him scold Midoriya, I'm like, okay, this feels more realistic. Like, yeah, he's he should be scolded. He, he did do something that was irresponsible, albeit his intentions were good at the end of the day they were still he still did something irresponsible being a student versus you know if you were a hero then yeah we wouldn't think twice about it yeah but i think the adults or the pro heroes in this case are still very naive um because one thing i noticed at the beginning of the episode is when midoriya says oh i forgot my bag of groceries that i bought and then ectoplasm says at that point oh let me come with you like why didn't anyone come with them in the first place yeah like a very, very responsible, like all all around for, for the pro heroes. But what can you do? I guess. Yeah, um, when it comes to Najire, so she was in the, the beauty, beauty pageant. pageant. That was fan service. That was just all. Fan yeah, that service. was yeah. Her her whole being in the anime feels like fan service. So she's part of the big three, right? And we've seen obviously Mirio do his thing. We've seen what's the other guy who eats stuff and then becomes Amajiki Sun Eater. Sun Eater. So we we've seen Sun Eater do his thing, right? We get a whole part of the overhaul arc dedicated to just them. And Najire, we don't see anything. We see parts of her kind of shining in, the, in that that arc the overhaul arc and all of that but really it's kind of passive um it's just kind of like here she is uh towards you know the front of the building kind of doing her thing with um with Tsuyu and uh with Uraraka but that's it and then we get this pageant thing and, and I figured she'd have more of a moment but again they they rush through the whole festival episode that you see her kind of do her thing she wins at the end sun eater is really happy and supportive of her because he admire i'm sure because he admires her ability to not be shy and to not be kind of hidden in the background like he wants to be all the time um but that's it i'm like i don't if i'm not convinced that she's big three like what does she do i I can't even remember what her what her quirk is it's similar to kaminari's where she can manipulate electricity i think 
electricity or just I thought it was just like powers that she yeah. has. I don't even know if that it was electricity. But either way, like that it, that that kind of plays into my point that she's supposed to be big three. I mean, they they set them up as like these are the top students in the school. I mean, she's standing next to Medio, right? Like he he's he's the best of the best was supposed to be all Might's successor and we know nothing about her other than she's got big boobs and she's really pretty and she's very nice that's all we know about her at this point and i'm like are we gonna see more of her because i i'm not convinced that she's big three um her quirk is wave motion which grants her the ability to convert her own vitality into energy and release it in the form of exceptionally power spiral powerful spiral shock waves so maybe they hinted at that or, or talked about it briefly in a previous episode, and I just don't remember it. But, like again, it's like, if she's big three, we need to see more of her. We need to see more of her in action. And that was the opportunity that was missed out on with the overhaul arc. Yeah, and people probably saw up her skirt <laughs> during the beauty pit. Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> Hopefully she's just... wearing, like, a leotard or something. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. I thought the same thing when Uraraka was going through the crowd and like touching everyone oh, so they yeah. would float. They show that girl right in the front in the in the center with her skirt and she's like, Whoa and I'm like everyone probably looked up and was like panties in our faces. Um plot holes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure Mineta was directly underneath her. Yeah. Well, he was pretty enthused about going to the pageant. I also really like seeing the characters use their quirks just in everyday situations because it kind of is the same with my my enjoyment of things like school festivals and those slice of life pieces that we sometimes get in these um in these types of anime and i i I noticed that when they were cleaning up at the end like uraraka was using her floating abilities to move big ice chunks and bakugo was using his the heat from his hands to melt the ice chunks in the sink. And I'm like, that. those little details are, like, a lot of fun to me because in real life we don't have quirks. So it's it's cool to see, like, how would people use them if they were an actual part of daily life, um, whether or not they're a hero or, or whatever, whatever the situation is. I, I, I like seeing them actually use their quirks in different ways. That's similar to that chef in JoJo who has a stand. Oh, right. um, in part four, the yeah. Italian chef. Um, and I think it's also reminiscent of, have you watched Kung Fu Hustle? Yeah. I think, uh, this is kind of spoil- light spoilers, but at the end of the movie, you see people using, um, is, is it Kung Fu Hustle or is it Shaolin Soccer? Um, where people are using like Kung Fu in their everyday lives. Um, I don't know. I haven't watched Shaolin's was it Shaolin Soccer? Yeah, I haven't seen that. One of those movies, but yeah, very s- similar what they did here with everyone's quirks. Like not only just cleaning up, but even during the performance, like using their quirks outside of actual heroic feats. Yeah, yeah, I like that stuff. I like I like seeing that, and I I hope they show more of that. I really enjoy seeing them use their their quirks. Um, just in everyday life and and i know it's not a slice of life anime but it's fun when we get those little pieces and it makes the characters feel more relatable makes them feel more human and realistic um and i always think about if i had a quirk how would i use it in everyday life yeah um my last comment on something i saw in the episode and this is more like merchandise opportunity is the cement toss um juice box i think you that see. was cute. Yeah. And I think Doug, or not Doug, uh, Midoriya is wearing like an All Might apron when you see him with Sato, 
the sugar rush guy. Yeah. And they're preparing the candy apple um, that he surprised Aria with. That like, was really cute too. I just love those little things they sneak in there. Yeah. Why can't box lunch, hot topic? Why can't they get on this stuff? Yeah. Make that All Might Adidas jacket that Midoriya was wearing in the beginning. I'll buy that in a heartbeat. Yeah. Maybe I'll make this a segment like merchandise opportunity. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for every episode that we see. Um, yeah. So what's your rating? My rating. Out of 10 smashes, right? Yep. I would give this episode an 8.5 out of 10 smashes. Because, again, I liked it a lot, and I wanted to love it, but I didn't love it. I think if it were two episodes, that would have been better. would have more built out. would have made the payoff a lot better, kind of having all this lead up, this build up into it. Um, But it was still really good, and it was cute and funny. So I would give it 8.5 out of 10 smashes what about you yeah um i would give it around the same range eight smashes out of 10 uh like i said this was a very feel good very wholesome episode um it could have gone a little bit longer and spread out spread out the festival over several episodes but yeah i thought the seeing the performance from the class 1a was great um, and also just given the timeliness of when this episode came out, because obviously right now um, the whole country and I guess the entire world right now is in a state of a quarantine because of the whole COVID situation. But it was just nice to see something uplifting at this point. And I know that's probably not intentional on the anime's part. This was just like part of their schedule and it just happened to fall. Um, within this time frame yeah. of real world events. It's very convenient for them, very timely. Right. So it's just nice to have something that we can all smile about, just like how Ari had something to smile about. So. How nice. The parallels. Yeah. So many parallels. Well, with that, that's episode, whatever this episode or was this? 24? <laughs> <So it's> episode. 23? <laughs> Oh, I, uh, either 22 or 23. I think it's 23. Yeah, well, it could be 23. This is episode 23 of My Hero. And the next episode is something entirely different. And I don't know what to make of it. Um, yeah, it's called, the title is Japanese Hero Billboard Chart. Which sounds like <laughs> Hot 100. Yeah. <laughs> so who knows what that's about. Um, I I also don't know how many more episodes are there are there supposed to be in this season. I don't know. Um, I figured we'd be wrapping up pretty soon here if we're on episode 24, but who knows at this point. Maybe it's going to be 26, 25, 26 episodes. I just hope it ends on a good note, so we'll see. Yeah, bunkasai over. It's over. Um, but yeah, thank you all for listening in. Special thank you to Super Newt Ensemble for the jingle at the beginning and end of this podcast. But we'll catch you guys next time. So long. Stay safe. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Stay weeb. Stay weeb. (laughs) And this is episode four, and we're reviewing... (laughs) Dang it, Rigby. (laughs) 